Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. My name is William Walker, and this show is all about trailblazers and how these leaders and visionaries broke new ground, challenged conventional thinking, and inspired others to follow in their footsteps. After all, Jesus was a trailblazer. So how do we as men live a life as trailblazers and become the leaders we are called to be? Welcome to another episode of the Trailblazer Podcast, where we celebrate men, entrepreneurs, leaders, who are making a difference in the world. I'm your host, William Walker, and today we have a special guest with us, Zach Rogers, the co-owner of Blends Bulls. Zach is not only a former college baseball player, but also an entrepreneur and an amazing man of God. And we're excited to get to know a little bit more about Zach. Hey, so welcome, Zach. Thank you, William. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, man. So, I, you know, this has been something that I'm excited about since we started talking. I sent you a couple episodes, so I'm really pumped that you're here today. Um, I'm, I'm really, you know, I guess a goal that I have for today is to kind of hear more about your story through what got you to this point, but then also to learn how you are not only living out your, your own values, but also you're living those values out in your, your work and in, in all that you're doing, because you really have made a difference on our campus and I see it all the time here. Um, so it's just, I'm excited to, to kind of hear your story today, man. Yeah, no, it's funny because like, I think probably a week ago or whatever, when we were either on the phone or in a zoom call or something like that, you kind of mentioned the idea of doing this and you kind of prefaced it with, you know, if, if we had recorded a lot of our conversations in the past, it would be really good to kind of just share like our conversations, our ideas and, and, and the topics that we talk about. And I agree, like there's a lot of conversations that I have that either with, whether with you um, or with other peers or colleagues or, or coworkers that I wish I could just like kind of go back and like remember what I said. Because um, a lot of times like I don't ever really like realize the importance or like the weight of what I say until I've said it like two or three times. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is for me, this is really cool. I, I enjoy kind of like talking like this um, and just having conversation with like-minded people. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah, man. Uh, and, and I appreciate that, man. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've actually had that same thought in my head. Like, man, I, I just wish I would have hit record while I was talking. I got a good friend of mine in California and we used to go running all the time together via the phone. And it was just a great way for us to connect and kind of catch up what was going on in our lives. Or if there was something we needed to just be there for each other mm-hmm. that we could do on the phone. And every time it happened, it was like, I really wish we would have recorded this. Because it would have just been great to go back and reflect on some of the yeah. thoughts and the things that we, we were able to share with each other and the impact that it had. So, well, hey, man, before we, as, as we get into this story and as we start telling you story, I... I always have to start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So let's start diving into that journey. Like, let's talk about Zach, where you grew up, high school, kind of mom, dad. Yeah. Let's let's hear about that side to kind of get to the foundation of, of who Zach is. Yeah, totally. We'll kind of start at the beginning. I mean, I was born and raised where we're recording right now, about 45 minutes down the road, um, Alexander City, Alabama, and technically not even Alexander City. Like a lot of times when someone asks, like, where am I from? I always reference Auburn. And then if someone doesn't reference, if someone doesn't, you know, connect with that, I'm always like, 
relating to Birmingham, but that's that's even way out of the past. So if you're familiar with Alabama, it's actually Alexander City. If you're not, it's around the Lake Martin area. And where I was actually raised, my family um, is actually out in the country county side area. It's called Coosa County. Um, technically, it's good water city limits. So if you really want to kind of like zoom all the way in on the map, you can figure out where it's at. But it's it's next to next to nothing basically. Um, but yeah, I was raised um, there my entire life. We lived in the same house uh, my entire life. Pretty much my my childhood. I have younger brother, younger sister. Both my parents are still married, which is a blessing. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, my entire childhood was with my brother, with my sister. We're very uh, centered around family, faith. Um, a big part of my childhood was athletics and sports. Um, you know, before I even got into organized sports, it was always just like in the house, in the yard. And then eventually when we started playing competitively, it was t-ball soccer um basketball football um and really like as i grew older and started like kind of like developing skills or whatever i guess i i kind of started showing a little bit better um athleticism inside of baseball and soccer um leading into you know the school part of athletics baseball and soccer you kind of have to make a decision in the state of alabama you can't really play both in the same season so that's where I decided in seventh grade to kind of just go the baseball route, not really knowing, you know, anything, what would happen in the future and kind of looking back on it, obviously that's the right decision, but the, the part that athletics played in my life and was really, um, heavily influenced and, and, and coat, like my dad was my coach my entire life. So a lot of the, the hard work, the discipline, um, a lot of that was instilled in me by my dad. Um, and even just small things like just the attention to detail, the intention to honestly, your intention of like why you're doing that and everything was so important. And I think a lot I, at the time, um, when I was a kid, I, I just didn't realize all of that and realize like how that would play a part in my life, like 20 years down the road. But looking back, it's like, God, how cool would it have been to have that perspective? But also sometimes like, a 12 year old with that perspective would be kind of weird. Um, but yeah, athletics was a big part of my childhood. Um, honestly, outside of athletics, I didn't have much of a childhood. Um, I didn't live in a neighborhood, didn't go over to friends' houses. Like we lived out in the country. I'm talking like my next door neighbor was a cow. Um, <laughs> so, so like I, I never grew up in that kind of like run down the street to your neighbor, to your best friend's house. Um, the bet the most the most interaction I ever got with like kids my age was at school and practice. When I went home, we were 10, 15 minutes away from my closest friend, so was not um, very interworked into the suburban life. But that has a lot of blessings in its own. Like my family were fortunate to have a lot of property and a lot of land in that Goodwater, um, Coosey County area. So I grew up hunting, fishing in the woods, camping, four wheelers. Um, helping my grandfathers out on the farm, tractors, stuff like that. So you could kind of sum it up to be a, a good old boys bringing up in, in Alabama. But um, yeah, and kind of towards those, like I was mentioning, the, the middle school years and high school years, was I, was, I really started getting serious with athletics and baseball. And heading into my senior year of high school, I actually um, was fortunate to get offered a scholarship to go to the University of Alabama to play baseball. 
Um, I did actually accept that. I by no means was that an Alabama fan before the fact. I was actually uh, kind of grew up and raised an Auburn fan when I was able to make my own decisions and choices and I knew what I was like rooting for. I became a Florida fan. Um, and then kind of having that background of like, my family's all Auburn fans. I really did want to go to the univer- Auburn University, like my entire, like when I was like, okay, I have the chance to play college athletics. I was like, I want to go to Auburn. Um, and I was recruited by Auburn as well, but the scholarship opportunity was just a lot better at Alabama. And I kind of had in the back of my mind, the mindset of I'm getting blessed with the opportunity to go to school. Otherwise I probably would not have been able to afford it or I went to, you know, community college. So I saw that as an opportunity, like whoever's paying the most of my education, that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to, I realized that as like helping my parents out and, you know, setting myself up for a future success, like not a lot of student loans and everything. Um, so kind of fast forward into like my collegiate, um, experience athletics, like you, you can't beat it. Like I got to go to all over the sec, different schools during the summers, got to play in summer leagues in Texas and Florida. It was really exciting. Um, but quickly after I'm going to be completely honest, after my first outing in baseball in the sec, I, I right then and there realized that baseball was not in my future. Um, pretty much I, I realized like, I went from being a big fish in a small pond in high school to being a very, very, very small fish in a very large pond in college. Um, But it was more about the experience for me and the connections and the networking that I was able to do Um, through athletics. I don't think I ever would have received this opportunity if I didn't play baseball at Alabama, but I had the opportunity to go intern at Nike's headquarters in Portland, Oregon, which was an experience of a lifetime. Um, Just kind of getting experience and exposure into the corporation environment of like, you know, big business and everything like that and getting to learn marketing and and branding from a company like Nike, who is probably the best of the best at what they do. um, That kind of set me up for a lot of the mindset that I have now going into into business with blends and every other opportunity that I have. Um, That actually happened before my senior year of, of college. And um, we kind of had a couple coaching changes and, and crazy things that happened within the baseball program my last year. So I actually end up, didn't end up playing my senior year at Alabama. Um, I was actually a normal college student that last year. So what was that? I mean, so, I mean, you just covered a lot, man. And I, and I love it. <laughs> I've got to be honest, like I should have wrote down a couple of the questions that came into my mind, but you know, a, I think one of the first things that I thought that was really great to hear, and I don't think you said it outright, but it's something I picked up, were these values that you had kind of instilled. I mean, you sounded like you had your head on your head on straight as a as a high schooler and even going into college. And I mean, I gotta be honest, that was not this guy. Like, <laughs> I promise you, yeah. um, I had a whole nother. I think I played sports in ninth grade, mm-hmm. and then I found other things that were more interesting to me, and that's where my pursuits yeah. went. And I wasn't, and they were not by no means were they probably the right pursuits for me. Yeah. Football would have been probably a better pursuit. <laughs> um, but like, where where did those values come from, you? And how how did you like? Yeah. Was that something you talk about your grandfather and your dad being a coach? I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, that's probably stressful coaching with your dad but yeah I think it honestly it originated from really just the way that I was brought up and I was raised and early on like 
when you start kind of coming into your own as a person and you're kind of like getting out of your parents' shadows, I remember like my mom and dad always kind of telling me like how at a very young age, I didn't want to be like everyone else. I was a little bit different, not in like a weird way, but like in the time I always felt like an outcast. I wasn't included in things. And, and that a lot of that had to do with not being raised like inside of, you know, suburb with like right next door to your friends and everything like that. And whether it was, the way that I wanted to dress on a baseball field or the way I went about like, you know, the way I talked or stuff like that. It was always like small little things of wanting to be a little bit different. Um, and, and I think a lot of those values came from that because I wasn't always ingrained in a crowd to where I was easily influenced by my peers. Mm. So like being kind of not excommunicated, but just like not constantly under influence from others kind of allowed me to kind of form my own thoughts and everything like that. But I definitely think the foundation was laid by my parents. Um, and then kind of like extending coming from a very small town to the university of Alabama, mm -hmm. like for me and people might laugh at this, but this is like, that was like me getting exposure to like my version of New York city. Yeah. Like I'm, I come from a very small town where everyone's like always lived here pretty much generations have just stayed here. And then I go to Alabama where I'm going to, I'm in a class with a kid from San Francisco, from Dallas, New York, Chicago, and Miami. And that's as much variety and exposure I've, I've ever had in my life. So I was able to really like open my mind to different viewpoints, different cultures and societies and stuff like that. And, and kind of like alluding to your question, it, it just really allowed me to, um, formulate my own values and thoughts and everything like that. But I really do believe like my parents raised me and like laid that foundation. It comes from that influence. Um, a lot at the core of a lot of my values and principles are biblical principles. Um, and that was a huge impact of me when I was being raised as a kid. Like I was raised in the church. I was raised in Sunday school. My grandmother was my Sunday school teacher. Like, um, so a lot of those values and and kind of the way that I carry myself has always been laid by that foundation of grandparents and, 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 uh, and parents. So it's definitely a generational thing, but yeah. That's cool. I, I think that's, it really shows, you know, in knowing you and, and getting to know you now over, I guess over a year now. Yeah. About a year. Maybe. I mean, I don't remember exactly over a year. Yeah. When you, when you came to Auburn and stuff like that. But something else that I thought that really stood out that I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about was you talked about how you went from being the big fish mm -hmm. in the small sea mm -hmm. to being the smallest fish in the big sea. And that had to be a struggle yeah. and, 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 and a, a real growing point in who you are as a, as a man and as a leader now and as a business owner. Um, like, how did you do that? What was that like for you walking through that, man? Yeah. And, 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 and coming out the other side as well-rounded as you are. Yeah. And, and I've gotten to know you. So I'm going to like give my exact experience through it. And I'm going to try to wrap it all together at the end of just like some logical and practical piece of advice. <laughs> but I would be lying if I said I didn't have my slip ups of really like in college, maybe that first or second year, I was very influenced by my peers because it was like the first, you know, ounce and taste of freedom that I had. And, and maybe, maybe I was like, you know, 
did a few things that maybe didn't align with my values or something like that. But it was definitely rough. Um, and it was kind of one of those periods where you're trying to really like figure out who your friends are, what lane you belong in, who you actually are. So it was definitely a big transition and you kind of just have to be realistic about it. Um, and having that logical mindset of like, I can't just cut, like keep living in a fairy tale of thinking I'm somebody who I'm not, or trying to create this fake representation of society inside of my own head of saying like, okay, like this is like high school is still the here, like, you know, the small connections and environment and community of high school is still here around me when it wasn't, I didn't, I think maybe two or three people from my high school went to Alabama. Um, so like, and I barely ever saw any of them during my time there, but I would say one thing that really did help was being with the baseball team. So granted a lot of ha us have different values on the baseball team. Like my goals are different from your goals, but for the most part, we're on a same team. It's that brotherhood environment. So you, I kind of almost had friends. It's why people get in sororities to, to like, you know, have friends and stuff like that to make that transition a little bit easier. So it definitely helped a little bit, um, going from there to, to college. Uh, and then I think also like you didn't ask this question, but it, it did happen to me later in my college in college was, I think a lot of athletes and a lot of like high performers struggle with the identity crisis when something's taken away from you. Mm. Um, so for me, like at the age of when I stopped playing baseball, I had probably been playing for 15 plus years straight. And that was, that was like my identity. So I thought, and, and I remember vividly like what made that transition from, being a college athlete to not being a college athlete so much easier on me was the community that I created outside of baseball. Um, I vividly remember going to a church event one time and seeing how people just acted and talked and carried themselves differently. And I'd never seen that before because I'd been raised in church, but I'd never saw young people have their own faith. Yeah. Um, and I saw that and I just remember vividly saying like, I want what that person has that cliche story of you getting like introduced into, you know, religion or Christianity or whatever your faith is. And I was like, there's just some, like that person has a glow. That person has an energy. I want what that is. And that's kind of where I pivoted and was able to like start creating my own relationship with God. And it wasn't necessarily like how my parents kind of like taught me or, or, uh, influenced me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, getting involved in that church in Tuscaloosa made that transition a lot easier because I knew that my identity was no longer in baseball. It mm -hmm. was like in who God says I was. Yeah. So it's kind of full circle, like saying that now five, six years after the fact it's, you know, it's, it makes sense. But in the moment it was just like kind of what naturally happened was, you know, you transition from one aspect to life of one season of life to the mm -hmm. next. And, I've told like a lot of employees that have worked for us for blends, like don't ever try to graduate college like early because you have the rest of your life to kind of, you know, live and figure things out. You can never go back to college and do things that are socially acceptable when you're 30 as you were when you were 20. That's so 20. true. <laughs> <laughs> so that year after graduating is one of the hardest 
it's one of the hardest years of your life because it is such of you're not in school anymore. So you've got to figure everything out. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going from where you have all your friends in one place and like you're all dispersing across the entire country. Um, you're lucky if you go to another city where you know someone. So yeah. um, that's it's definitely a, a hard trans- transition. And I think a lot of it is just like knowing where your identity is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying there's one certain... I mean, I firmly believe your identity is in Christ. But I'd be naive to sit here and say like, you know, to the entire world, your identity is in Christ. Not everyone's going to believe that. But like knowing where you are and who you align with is very important because that keeps you from being like swayed back and forth by external influences from other people and cultures. I mean, I love the fact you say, cause this is, I, so I have a, a coaching and consulting company. Um, and most of it is, it's almost always around leadership. Um, and very much so, but what we say is the co- the company's name is the Ford's leader. And we say that a Ford's leader knows two things. They know who he is or who they are. And they know what they need to do next. Mm-hmm. And you can't do one without the other. Like yeah. if you're going to continue, if you if you think you know what you're going to do next, you're going to be swayed just like you're saying. And yeah. you're going to be you're going to go one way, you're going to go another way. You're going to let everybody's influence and ideas speak into who you are. Yeah. But when you know who you are and who you were created to be, and I'm I mean I agree with you a hundred percent. And you and I've had this conversation like. We both believe that, hey, my identity is is rooted in my relationship with Christ. He is the one who gets to define who I am. And he has. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's I, I, I think that is so powerful and so true. And that really, it, it you see that in how both you and Riley lead your business. Yeah. So how did you get that? So how did, what happened there? So you... College, your senior year, you're no longer playing baseball. You, you've kind of figured this. You, you stepped into church. This, I'm assuming that was like your senior your senior year when you really yeah, started getting yeah. plugged in. And so you're like, hey, you know what? There's there's more to Zach than just baseball. Yeah. And now, yeah, to kind of hit on that transition piece, and and Riley's my business partner with Blends, and um, we'll get him on too. <laughs> Maybe uh, do a, 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 a three of us. That'd be fun. Um, so like my transition from college to, you know, entrepreneurship and, and blends is kind of more so of a lucky one. Um, I, Alabama, University of Alabama, two degrees, student athlete, internship at Nike. My anticipation was I'll have any job that I want to with that resume. I was very involved with like leadership responsibilities inside of athletics, which, you know, is pretty much a big deal at a big university at Alabama like that. So I was like on my high horse coming out of college, I'm like, I'm going to have my pick of the litter when it comes to jobs. And I think in that moment, when I started, you know, down that journey, God was like, Hey, hold on. I got something else planned for you. Mm. Um, because I went on interview after interview and not, not crazy, awesome jobs, like very base entry level sales positions at like, you know, the, the companies that were hiring the 500 college students across the country. So like, I had a high percentage chance of getting one in my mind, but God literally was shut. I, I, I explain it sometimes of walking down a, a hallway with multiple doors on each side and each one is a different path. And God just kept slamming those and shutting those and pushing me down the hallway to the end of it, which I believe is like the path of entrepreneurship. I don't think blends is the, the last thing I'm ever going to do in my life. Um, but I think like 
entrepreneurship allows me to have the biggest impact on, you know, not necessarily, well, my environment, the people around me, not mm-hmm. on like the world, but um, definitely those people that are cl- closely related to me. But um, so that was kind of my transition and, and it choosing blends was not definitely not my like dream or goal when I was a senior. It was kind of like, hey, I, I'm a college student. I can't find a job. Um, so like end of end of graduation around May, I went ahead and set up a college or a summer job down in the Santa Rosa 30A area. And I was pretty much just going to go set up beach chairs for the next three months and then pick up the job search back in August. And I was totally content and okay with that. Um, and then during that time, Riley and I actually had the, the idea of blends was birthed. Um, it's a, it's a pretty cool story and, um, it's very grassroots. Like everything about blends was just like, so, so crazy how it like formulated. I remember scouring Facebook marketplace for uh, a food truck to open up in because we knew that we weren't going to have enough capital to start an actual, you know, restaurant. I remember literally looking at driving down like roads of like different and, and business parks and shop, shopping centers to get inspiration from for branding and logos and names. We ran a group meme poll with like all of our college friends that we could potentially think of. And we we threw all these names in there and like had them vote on different names. And it was probably 10 or so names and we didn't go with a single one of them. But we ended up with blends. I don't even know how. Um, so it's this crazy story of like, you know, you could never have chosen that path. A lot of that was already preordained in, in, in God's, in God's world. And I think we just got really lucky in a sense of, you know, we ended up with that idea. I remember telling Riley in the summer of 2018, like I kept relating it to the, the idea of a pop socket on their phone. It's like, God, that's such a simple, dumb idea. That's so useful and practical. Like anyone could have thought of that. And I kept saying like, Acai is such a trending product and it markets directly toward the customer demographic of college students. Mm -hmm. So I told Riley, I was like, if we don't do this, someone else is going to do it. Um, And it wasn't really from the mindset of like, oh my God, we've got to go do this. It was more so like, this is the reason that we should. Mm -hmm. Um, It was never a passion. It was never like my goal for the rest of my life is going to be an entrepreneurship. That's how I'm going to change the world. It was more so like, I don't really have anything else to do. This is a cool idea. And I think this is justification of why we should do it. Um, so that transition was really, was, uh, you know, really awesome. Just going from, you know, college student to that. And Riley and I are the perfect combination. You said it earlier, we complement each other. Um, and, and during that time, I just remember those first couple years of the business, like we're, we're so hands on and crazy and it's got the crazy entrepreneurship um, stories of, you know, you're grinding, you're doing everything by yourself. Like you're working the you know, 15, 16 hour days. Um, and I'll kind of like talk about a few of those real quick is just Riley was a senior that whole first year. He was skipping classes. He was failing classes. Oh. Like, um, we, we didn't, we actually started with a food trailer and not a food truck. So we actually had to have a pickup to pull the trailer neither one of us owned a pickup. So we would go swap cars with the buddy before work every day, take his truck, pull a trailer. Um, we did that until it just, we were like, okay, that's not sustainable. We went and, you know, traded one of our cars in for a truck for, you know, that time being, um, Riley had a Hyundai Elantra. So we would drive back and forth from Sam's club across town to pick up frozen strawberries and bananas and almond milk and stuff like that. Our supplies and inventory and 
we were working it every day. I remember setting up on a game day one time in Tuscaloosa where the cost and the fee of like getting the spot was $350. And we were anticipating it on being busy. So Riley and I were both there at like 8 a.m., hired a, a, one of our friends to come work it with us. Was paying them like $10 an hour. And then we'll end up like 3 p.m. and we've sold like maybe $300 worth of stuff. So we didn't even break even. And at that moment, it was a little bit discouraging. Um, but I mean, I, I th- it was just one of those grassroots entrepreneur stories, man. It was just crazy. Looking back at the times, it's like, that's why we were successful because we did a lot of that on our own. Um, we worked so hard on that, that dream and that goal. And I like to say a lot of times, like Riley and I were like too dumb to fail. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the things that like kind of, if you put someone else in our shoes, probably would have stopped. Like we were just too dumb to say like, that's not that big of a deal. When in, in hindsight, looking back, like when we talk and share those things with people, like that was really a big deal. Um, so it, it was, it's definitely been like a journey and, and, and everything I mean, I, like that. I, 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 it's funny. One of the stories that always resonate uh, that I love, but it's a story about how you guys decided to buy a house, mm-hmm. you know, living in it. And then you're like, Hey, you know what? We're just working all the time. We're only sleeping here. Let's yeah. rent out the other bedrooms and we'll just set up bunk beds and we'll just sleep in the bunk beds. Yeah. So, he, so here you told me that and I'm just picturing two grown men willingly choosing to live yeah. in, in, in twin well, we bunk were, beds. I wouldn't call us grown men at the time. We were young boys <laughs> becoming men because we were, in our, we were in that prime stage of like, he was actually still in college. I had just graduated college. So we're essentially college kids. That's the time of your life where a lot of people spend that going out, partying, like, you know, meeting a lot of different people and everything like that. So we're in that prime time of our life where that's like expected and everything. And we chose like, we really chose the path less traveled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of started, honestly, like we didn't even buy that. It was like us renting a, a apartment because like we had that idea in summer of 2018 like a month after I graduated, but Riley's coming back to school that fall. So he had already signed a lease. And then we had the idea to start blends like midway through the summer. And I'm like, okay, I got to be back in Tuscaloosa, but I don't have, a, I never signed a lease. So it was like, well, we can just like all live in the same apartment. It was a two bedroom apartment. He already had a roommate. So we actually did the bunk beds in his apartment, oh, okay. which was, I'm not going to lie. It was no bigger than this room right here. Um, we lived in bunk beds for an entire year. He got the bottom bunk the first semester, then I got the bottom bunk the second semester. So we were pretty fair. Um, but that all happened that first year of blends. And within that first year, we did have a lot, well, not a lot of success, but we had success. And we basically set a very basic sales goal of like, you know, sales per day and sales per week to say, if we can achieve this and we can fulfill this, like then it's worth it for us to keep pursuing this. And at the end of year one, we were able to make that decision of like taking what we had made and reinvesting it into, into a, uh, a food truck. So no more food trailer. We sold that. We took the money from that and the money that we had made that first year and invested in buying a food truck. We actually bought like an old 1987 food truck from Prattville, Alabama. Um, and it wasn't even a food truck. It was just like an old FedEx van. And we bought that for $3,000. We sent it down to a place in Southern Mississippi where almost got in a lawsuit because the, the, the job that they did building it out was so sketchy and, and crappy. And 
spend a couple ten to twenty thousand dollars doing that. So um, it was it was like this whole thing of that's what we did that whole summer. And um, essentially, I kind of I'm just alluding to the fact that like all these things like we kept reinvesting in the business, and we essentially said, okay, our business is here in Tuscaloosa. We we're at least going to be here for a little while, so we we need somewhere to stay. Um, and somewhere to live and we're like okay let's not pay rent anymore um, we, we figured out about the you know primary residence loan and all this crazy stuff and um, we did that and moved into a unit and like you said um, it was actually a new build in 2019 or something so we found a really good house and at that time the real estate market was nothing like it is now so we got a three bedroom three bath house that was at a very good deal and the bedrooms were actually massive. So Riley and I actually were like, okay, what if we continue doing the same thing that we did at the apartment, rent out two rooms and pay for the, the mortgage on the place. So we, we didn't go bunk beds, but we went like hotel two queen suites. So it's like his bed was on one side of the room, mine was on the other. In the middle, we had a shared nightstand. Um, and, and we did that for a full year. We oh, actually did that with one property and then did the same thing in another property. So we bought two. Um, but that kind of alluded to like the same thing of like, you know, you're grinding in a Hyundai Elantra going back and forth from Sam's every night at 8 PM and living in the same bedroom. And that started kind of, that kind of started our journey for the next four to five years of just really grinding through this season of entrepreneurship and just, if you want it, you got to make it happen mm -hmm. for yourself. And, and that kind of like, a lot of that, I think, really pushed me into more of the the self-development and self-reinvesting in yourself because, like, it really showed me, like, how much you can do for yourself. You don't have to rely on other people to give you what you want all yeah. the time. So, so one of the things I love, and, and, and you've definitely stood true to your values here in in the business, but it's, it's your tagline, mm -hmm. right? forgive me I'm saying this right be it's be a good human right mm -hmm. and I love that like it's simple and it's clean like where did that come from man like how did y'all get to that point and I know this ties into your Christian values which yeah. has pretty much continued to just show up everywhere but because I, I do want to also ask you like what was it like coming through on the other side of that yeah that that hard day you know because yeah. I'm sure there were more than just the one hard day on a football game day yeah um, I, I think like, so originally we didn't start blends with the mentality, like that wasn't our tagline. We always did have in the back of our head, like we we're at the, Riley and I were both really involved at church in, in Tuscaloosa. Um, so in our college years, we, we were very fortunate to be in a godly community and that kind of influenced us. And like, you always like, if, if you're a Christian, you kind of know this whole mindset of like. What is going to be your ministry? What is going to be your influence? What is your mm -hmm. um, your purpose or your calling? Um, and a lot of times if you're like, okay, I'm a nurse, you know, that's my calling. If I'm a doctor, if I'm a preacher, that's my calling. But as an entrepreneur, like we were trying to struggle with like, what's the, like, what are we going to use this vessel and this vehicle that we've been blessed with? And like, what are we going to do with it? Um, so it's always kind of been like in the back of our head and in decisions that we've made whether it's financially, marketing, branding, like it's always kind of been revolved around like if we can give back or if we can make an impact or if we can change someone's day for the better, like that's how, like that's what we're using this business for. Yeah, business is 
you know, a business because you get into it to make money. Um, but for us, I'd be naive to say like, you know, it was, it wasn't always about like, it's not always about the, the great intentions. Like that's not always at the forefront of our mind. You know, it's, it's taken some development and growing and learning to, to realize that like, that's truly what we're here for. Um, but I think at the heart of it, be a good human just really means like, just be, be good people, be nice to someone, whether it's a stranger, whether it's your best friend, like just have that mindset of like everyone that you come in contact with, you can leave them better, whether it's two seconds or it's two hours. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we really try to like embody inside of blends from myself and Riley to our other full-time team, all the way down to our students at every campus. And we tell our students that are working the front line, like, if anyone's watching this that is a student at any of our campuses, like you'll know that we only hire college students. And we really preach like we want to create and foster an environment that each one of our customers who are also college students enjoy being at. So we really preach it to like our our employees that like whether you have two seconds or two minutes with someone, like you've got to we want you to do everything in your power and your ability to to make sure that they leave better than they came. Mm -hmm. um, so for us, it's just, it, it's, it kind of like, we want to create this environment that's all focused around just being a good person, whether it's a stranger or whether it's, you know, your best friend. Yeah, and you know, and I have to tell you that you guys have done that amazingly. Um, every time I go to one of your stores, like that's the experience that I have. I'm always greeted with a smile. How are you doing? Some type of joke. I mean, it's easy to, mm -hmm. to have a conversation or make a little joke or they're making a joke back or, or whatever that is, right? They are very intentional. So you see that coming down, which is really, really, really awesome because you realize that, hey, it starts with me and Riley and it starts with me and Riley pushing that down. Like you don't have, that's, that is your job. I mean, yes, you have all these other tasks that you do in, in your but the most important thing you can do every single day is pushing that message down into all the ranks of everybody who works for you. And it shows that you do it very, very well. Um, and it's, it's one of the reasons I also wanted you on this podcast, you know, yeah. was when I, when I, when I did the intro, it was just, you know, guys deciding to just do things a little bit differently, mm -hmm. kind of approaching it and, and, and I even say, you know, Jesus was this trailblazer, like how he approached it. And he was just, he was a good human. Mm -hmm. Like he loved and cared for and wanted to impact everybody in a positive way. Yeah. Even if he was telling them they were doing something wrong, they still felt good about it after mm -hmm. on the other side, you know? Yeah. Which is really, really amazing and, and really powerful. So, you know, we talk about that right there and, 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 y'all's mission statement, I guess that would be it, your vision, you know, creating this world that's that. But so how did you start incorporating your Christian values and into the core of your business? And, and really how do you how do you do that continually on a day-to-day -day basis? I mean now you have how many locations? Uh seven different campuses. Seven campuses. So you're on seven campuses. Mm -hmm. And so how are you bringing those Christian values? What are the things that you're doing that's kind of setting your business apart as well as yeah. how you guys are leading that. Yeah. Well, I think personally on a, on a personal level for me, what keeps me grounded is like, I, al I always try to constantly remind myself, like 
walk with humility, walk with like everything that you have could be taken away from you tomorrow because it's, it's really not yours. Um, so I think that originally is like kind of what puts me in the mindset of like, okay, I'm not really doing this for the money. I'm doing this for like a greater purpose. I'm doing this because I get to pretty much almost influence 130 different college students across all of our different campuses. I get to have, you know, great relationships with our other four full-time staff members. Um, so it's like, for me, I'm kind of in this for the relationships and the experience and the influence and stuff like that, not necessarily the money, but, um, the way that we try to incorporate that into our everyday business is it's not, um, a in your face type Christianity. Everyone, you know, knows that Chick-fil-A is a Christian based business, but you never hear them really like denying someone because they're gay or denying someone because their political affiliations don't, you know, align or anything like that. And it's, it's not to us. It's like, that's not what we're here to do. We're not here to, you know, force something upon someone. Um, but we do realize that we have been given a vehicle and a vessel that has the ability to reach and influence other people. So something that's really like that we do, that's very practical is like, we have a very, small but prominent um first of the day like just whiteboard at all of our schools um and it's funny though because like that was one of the first things that we ever did um we actually used to have wooden spoons that were like, like a popsicle stick width and we had this custom made stamp that we would stamp every single spoon and it had first peter 2 9 and i want to say it was um you're you're a chosen people you're a royal priesthood like you're you're basically chosen by god um you're a group of people so and that was like what we wanted to like just tell people is like, hey, you're special. Um, and, and it came from that was just the intentionality of behind that. And we had our verse of the day. It was actually just a little piece of chalkboard that we had bought at a, a, a yard sale and put it on the counter on our food truck. And can't tell you how many times that thing got blown off by wind and like piece by piece it broke off. But we kept putting it back up there. Um, but the verse of the day thing just kind of started with that. And it wasn't like. And we just put it there for people to see. It wasn't something where we made t-shirts or we handed things out to people. It was like, if you, if you, you know, see that you gain a piece of encouragement from that, then you do that. If you, you know, grab your bowl and you never even acknowledge it, then that's, you know, that's also fine. So I think it's just a small piece that, that we do through that. Um, I know it was cool the other day, like, I'm currently trying to create an internship program for college students to, to help us run our business more um, efficiently and focused towards college students. So we're like trying to create interns that help us on our marketing and PR and communication side. Um, and one of them, like one of them basically said, like, I love the fact that I get to see the verse of the day, like every day. And the intentionally in intentionality behind that is just like, that's kind of like what we've been, we've been given that vessel. Um, so we do that, we do a couple different, and this isn't really like, you know, affiliated with the church or anything like that, but we partner with, um, an organization called Never Thirst, which in themselves, they are actually a Christian based business as well. Um, and their goal and mission is to bring, uh, water, clean, healthy water to unreached areas of the earth. Um, so we actually partner with them and like all a percentage of all water sales, go to fund a well that we're raising money to actually go build in a country called Uganda. Um, Riley and I actually, that was 
our first year of blends that spring. So we had been in operation for a full semester. We took a mission trip there that spring um, during spring break at Alabama. And that was our first opportunity to go on a mission trip, really. And, and we kind of fell in love with like, the whole mentality of, of that. Um, so it's just a few things like that. We we're, we like to approach it as being very generous to our customers. Um, a lot of times we'll do percentage days with on-campus organizations. Um, obviously, we do a little bit of vetting. We don't want to give you know just money out to any organization or anything like that. But um, we just see it as like, like giving back to people, mm-hmm. um, using what we've been blessed with to make an impact on others. Yeah, that's that's, that's so good. You know, uh, I'm not sure if I, I alluded to it earlier, but it's what I call it in the business world, which you see a lot of now, which is called BAM, which is business as ministry. Yeah. And I just, and, and I, I think so many leaders, entrepreneurs, business people, they overlook the fact that, Hey, your ministry is right where you're at. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't have to mean you're standing on, you're standing on a stage in front of this big crowd yeah with the worship band and stuff like that, like you can have an impact on these people's lives just by being present and being intentional. Um, obviously knowing who you are mm-hmm. and, and that's really, it just continues to reverberate in everything you're saying. I mean, it just, it shows that both you and Riley are very grounded in, in your faith and, and how that comes into your business and, and just the small little things and the decisions yeah. and how those values are your filters that you're using to make your decisions. Yeah, it's definitely, so kind of like alluding to that, it's it's sometimes difficult because like, I personally will sometimes be discouraged because not saying like, my identity or value is in how many people I can influence. I'm not saying that. But a lot of times I do realize like, hey, I'm doing this for this reason, for a good purpose and a good reason. And it's not always reciprocated. Or it's not always someone's influence and it changes their actions. So you don't always see the impact that you're making. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly a really tough part of being an entrepreneur. But small little instances where you hear of students applying to work here and they say like those small things or what they notice or you hear of customers talking about that. And it's like that really small detail, um, you know, really makes a big difference. And it kind of like, comes full circle, full circle. And you, you kind of realize that like, yes, right where I am is my ministry. And whether it's, you know, someone's getting saved, but, and, or someone's getting baptized, like, or it's just like someone literally just saw the first of the day when the last time they saw a Bible verse was a full year ago. Mm-hmm. So. Man, that's, that's so good. So, I mean, we've talked about how your business is making a difference in the, in the lives of your customers, how it's making a difference and an impact in your in the community, you know, on the campuses that it's on. I mean, and, and you now you're, you're telling me that you're, you're, you you also have never thirst that you're working with and, and you're figuring out ways to not only impact outside of the, the country, right? Mm-hmm. Or the Southeast, because that's where you're at right yeah. now. But And so what advice would you want to give to to men who want to, to really kind of live their life. I mean, because the way you're doing it, like, yeah. that's not an easy thing to do, man. Like, that's not a, hey, I wake up one morning and I'm just going to put on, I mean, yeah. and it's, it's not that everybody has to be wired to be an entrepreneur, but I do think that 
the hard part is, and, and what I've seen in a lot of coaching um, and in a lot of the groups that I've led, is that there is a, I don't want to say a lack of hope, but they think it has to be this some monumentous thing. Like you just kept saying over and over, it was little yeah. bitty things that I did. And those are the little bitty things that honestly drew me to you guys when we first started talking. I mean, I remember getting on a golf cart driving around campus, right? Yeah. And I remember going, man, I want, like, hey, you guys need to come over to my house. And I want to hang out. And for no other reason other than just to get to know you. Like, I'm excited that we're having dinner later. We're going to work out here in a little bit. You know, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, even though I did get up and go for like a four mile ruck this morning with oh, some guys. So I got a little pre-workout in. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what advice or, you know, what were those things that, that, that you think are still those drivers for you and for Riley and, and to, to kind of, Hey, you know what? Yeah. I can keep doing this. Like, yeah, I get what you're saying because a lot of times like you always, you always kind of like compare yourself to something that's unrealistic or, if you're starting a new app or a technology company, you're like, I'm trying to be like Apple. I'm trying to be like Twitter. But you're like, you're you're looking way up there and you're not focusing on like where you need to go. And, and I think like, I can't speak for Riley. I can speak for myself. But like one of the biggest pieces of advice and things that I've kind of like constant, been very conscious about is just being different. Um, whether it's like, very practical in a sense of like everybody else is going out on a Friday night. Don't do that. Stay in, go to sleep early on a Friday night so that you can get up early Saturday morning and you don't have to go out on a run. You don't have to, you know, go to the gym, wake up Saturday morning, go on a walk, wake up Saturday morning, spend time with a loved one. Um, so to me, it's like, you just have to really like challenge yourself to be different because everybody else it's easy to be like everybody else. It's easy to do what everyone else is doing. Um, and I think it's just like challenging yourself to be different uh, makes and allows you to push push the status quo kind of. Mm -hmm. um, so whether it is like, I don't know, I, I just keep alluding to like when I was a young when I was younger, like that's kind of, that was kind of always in the back of my mind. Like I'm a different, I want to be different. I don't want to look like everyone else. I don't want to do what everyone else is doing. Um, and I feel like that's really the only way that like you can truly ever, you know, figure out who you are. And I think you mentioned it a second ago is like you, you finding that identity is, is really one of the biggest aspects to, to advice. Um, but yeah, because I know a lot of people like nowadays, it's you're so influenced by social media, by culture, by you know political stances and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And everybody's entitled to their opinion these days. And and it's so hard to step out and, and be different because you're, you know, thinking that might come with like some kind of ridicule or something like that. But um, I definitely think like in, in kind of like advice that you're speaking to just just challenging yourself to be different. Um, yeah, it's something that that you, that you said in the middle of all of that. And, and I liked it because, I mean, it was two things. One, you said just, just really understanding and being comfortable with being different, right? Mm -hmm. It's okay. But you also said, like, 
you don't have to get up and, and work out every day yeah. or you don't have to get out and grind like that. Right. Mm-hmm. But get up and go for a walk. Yeah. And, and it was one of the things that I had to realize on my journey, getting to where I'm at right now was like, I'm not going to be, you know, when I first started working out, I started really making it when God really started working in my life and going, Hey, listen, William, there's something more that I have planned for you. Mm-hmm. And he started pulling back that, that, that curtain and revealing to me and, and, and me really seeing my identity because mine was wrapped up in, Hey, I'm a chef. I'm going to yeah. be the superstar chef. And I was getting invited to go cook at events and I was getting followed on my old Instagram. So, I mean, all that stuff, right? All those things were happening and it was going well. My wife wasn't really happy. My kids weren't really happy. Mm-hmm. I was exhausted all the time. I, mean, I was pursuing things that, that, that were not wrapped up in who God created me to be and in, in my true identity. And it took me realizing that same thing of, hey, I don't have to be the fastest, strongest guy. I just need to go out and do this one thing. And admit, for me, it's, it honestly started with a journey of, of, of a lot of prayer. Yeah. But this journey of, of fitness for me at one point, because I was in horrible, I was not in good shape. And, and I had a guy and he was like, well, should start walking. Yeah. And it was like, man, that's never going to get me. That's never going to get my weight off. That's never going to get me fit to go do these things. But it did. Yeah. And now six years later, like you and I, we can work out yeah. and you can keep up with me. <laughs> very interesting because I feel like there's a direct correlation and there's just like some kind of connect between like what are the things that you might struggle with it might be financials it might be mental health and you really like if you want to take the time and you wanted to break down you know the struggles of financials it's probably a spending habit or you know you yeah. have the wrong view of money if it's mental health it's probably identity or it's probably influence from other people and it's crazy to think like like there's some kind of disconnect between all of those things that you could struggle with. And I think one of the most practical overreaching ways to address and combat a lot of that stuff is like a physical routine, whether that's, yeah, you don't have to go to the gym every single day or you don't have to be the person that wakes up at 5 a.m. and hits a cold tub every morning. But like having some kind of like measurement and a measurement of a routine or measurement of a physical aspect, whether it's okay, every day I'm going to get 10,000 steps or every day I'm going to drink a gallon of water or every day I'm going to make my bed in the morning before I leave my room. And I think like having those very small, like those are things that even the most unfit person could start doing tomorrow. And I think like challenging yourself to give yourself like a a attainable milestone and you kind of hit with that dopamine effect of like, Mm. Hey, I can do this. I can change. And if you keep compounding that and like domino effect to that, that's going to build habits and and mental strength and like habitual strength of like combating your financial issues of that spending habit saying like, Hey, I'm strong enough to where I don't need to go buy that Starbucks coffee every day. Yeah. Or I'm strong enough to where I know the opinions of others don't matter who I am because I can get up every day and I can hit my 10,000 steps. I can, I've been doing that for a week and look at me now I'm doing, I'm doing 1200 steps or I'm actually starting to jog instead of walk. 
Yeah. And I think there's a direct correlate. And so like kind of relating back to your advice standpoint, like for me personally, I'm a big like set a goal and then get on a journey and a process to attain it. Whether that's a savings goal, a financial, whether that's um, a relationship goal or a fitness goal. For me, it's most practical in, in a fitness in a fitness world. Um, so recently, one of the most recent things I did was was a, a marathon. I actually ran a marathon a couple weeks ago, and I went at the beginning of the year and I said, "This is like one thing that I want to do this year," and got on a twelve week plan of it. And it's the whole journey and the process of it that I really enjoy. Um, and there was a point in that process, it's like a 12 week plan. I want to say it was probably week eight where, you know, you're running four days a week and I'm in, I would say I'm in very good shape. So this isn't, you know, not tooting my own horn, but you're, you're running on a Monday, a Tuesday and a Thursday and a Saturday. You're running five on Monday, eight on Tuesday, five on Thursday. And then that week specifically got to run 21 on Saturday. And for me, I live in Tampa, St. Pete area, and the humidity and everything's crazy. So, you know, I, the previous week I'd ran 18, and that was the first time I'd ever ran 18 in my life. And I was sore, body was hurting, but like I did it. I, you know, didn't stop. I didn't have to walk. Like it was one of those things where, okay, you did it. You got that dopamine hit. And then the next week I'm like, okay, just on to the next one, 21. And that day after I finished the 21, I had to stop. I had to walk. That was the first time in my life ever running physically where I mentally could not overcome what I had to do. Like I, I mentally could not make myself run for more than 30 seconds. Like I had to run for 30 seconds, walk for like two minutes, run for 30 seconds, walk for two minutes. I did that for four miles and talking about really getting in your head. That's extremely discouraging. That opens up the door, the pathway to like a lot of negative thoughts. But I just kind of say that to say like that was week eight, had four weeks until the the marathon. In that pl- training plan, I, I was not running 21 or more any other time before I had to run 26. So the entire time that looming thought of you couldn't even finish 21, how are you going to finish 26? So like that whole negative thought and that was in the back of my head that entire time. And all I could do was like, okay, you got to trust this plan. You got to trust this process. You've always been able to, you know, move on to the next thing. Um, and eventually that, that led to, you know, race day where at that race day, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going to be the outcome. I don't know what it's going to, you know, entail. Um, I was dialed in on nutrition and, you know, supplements and stuff like that. And, um, granted the temperature was a lot different in Washington DC than it was in Tampa, but I, I ended up finishing the 26 with, without stopping, without walking. Um, my, my goal was like under four hours and I did it, um, at three fifty three fifty five. So like under four. Yeah. So I, I, I did it and I achieved it, but like, I just kind of say all that to say, like, I think a lot of people, the advice that a lot of people can get to be different is just like challenge yourself to do something that's uncomfortable. Like I had never ran that, that far in my life. I didn't. And especially after I couldn't finish 21, I was like, this is the most uncomfortable I've ever been. I had never been to that aspect mentally before where I was actually doubting my own capabilities ever. And that's, that's saying a lot for me personally. So like just putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation, um, but also starting at a very realistic 
logical step. Like mm-hmm. if you're someone who has never ran a 5K or you, you, you can't even run two minutes straight, like start with that 10,000 steps, you know, have those slow milestones because I think ultimately like if you're someone who challenges yourself with uncomfortable things, that in itself is very different. Most, the average Joe loves comfortability. So like if you challenge yourself being uncomfortable, I think that in, inherently will, will push you to be indifferent than everyone else. Yeah, I, I agree. I a hundred percent. I, I mean, there's nothing that you said that I could even start to disagree with. And it's funny. One, a thought that kept coming in my mind in this was the story of your blackboard. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you said it kept blowing over mm-hmm. and getting knocked off. Yeah. Right. How easy would it have been to just toss the thing in the corner? Yeah, that's true. And you did. And you were like, you know, there was probably an aggravation. Dang, the thing blew off again. Mm-hmm. You know, some days it probably blew off four or five times throughout mm-hmm. the day. And you had to go out front and pick it up or ask someone out front to pick it up. Yeah. And you you heard the voice in the back of your head. And just just put the thing in the corner. Yep. Stop asking. Stop bothering those people. Yep. But you didn't. And you and you and you strove through it. And now, when you go into your places, it's still a blackboard. But now it's like it's built into your your restaurant. It's built into yeah. your business. It's it's part of what it was. And if you would have if you would have stopped and just said, "Hey, you know what? The verse isn't that important. The blackboard's not that important. Yeah. I'm just gonna sit it over in a corner." What would have happened? That's like, probably, you saying that right there and like picking that out of this entire conversation is probably one of the coolest things I've ever heard. <laughs> That's not like me, I, man. Well, I've never related that to any part of our story, but hearing you say it is so, so accurate to like the entire journey of like, you know, my life and Riley and I have been together in our business partnership for a while. And I think that's very accurate as to how our business has gone as well. Um, but that, I appreciate you saying that because that that's one of those moments for me where it's like, wow. I mean, it, it shows to me, it, it, it shows who I know when I see Zach. I say this very, very humbly. Um, and you can see up in the corner, hey, break my heart for what breaks yours. Like that's my, that is my mantra prayer every day. Hey, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Let me see what you see. Yeah. And I really feel I've been very fortunate that God's, that's all I can explain it for, has, has been able, has, has given me a little bit of that vision to where I can, I can look at someone and I can see that. And I'm, there, are, there are some guys I know that are friends of mine that like I can, like I get sick because I can feel it. Mm-hmm. But that was something that was just like when I met you guys, like that's what was drawing me into you guys. Mm-hmm. And and it wasn't that what broke your heart, but it was like seeing that that passion, that knowing who you are. And and the cool thing is, I think you even know this, is that it's been a journey and it's still a journey. Like you're you're constantly going back and kind of refining that, you know. Um, at Ford's Leader, we do uh, we have a process we use called the trails trail markers and it starts with understanding your purpose and kind of defining that and I really I tell everybody this I hate that question like what is my person it's the wrong one to <laughs> ask it is the most self it is literally the most selfish yeah. question you can ask 
because it's 100% focused on you. Yeah. Yeah. So I always ask questions, who are you supposed to serve? Okay. You guys have put it in your, your thing, be a good human. Mm. Right. So yes, that's a very big subset, but you've been able to dial that in. But we walk, we walk our, our clients through this process of, of understanding who they are, what they need to do next, which is, you know, now how do we, how do we help them form the strategies, the objectives and the key results that they need to get move forward, identifying the right people in their lives, how they're communicating it. But then the key to the whole thing is this repeatable process on the backside of what we do. And that's what you're, that's what you've been talking about all morning or afternoon here with me is how through your life and through your experience, I see you just constantly repeating these things over and over, just like training. Yeah. And, and you've been able to, to let God kind of continue to focus in on where you're supposed to go and who you are and what he's got planned for you. And you've maintained this place of humility and open hand. Which is, it gets me excited. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, 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 I love it when people ask me about you guys, and I'm, I'm able to tell them like, this is what you do, and this is why you, you know, without a doubt. Um, so those are some really great things that you shared today. So what is next for Zach and Riley and Blends? What's going on there? Or hey, what is next with Zach? Yeah. Um, you don't have to get into everything because I know there's some secret stuff. Yeah. Uh, next for blends, like, I don't know. We're, we're, we're really, um, we really feel, uh, anointed and called this year to challenge ourselves and put ourselves in uncomfortable situations. Funny because like I keep, I've kind of didn't have this plan, but I've, I've kind of like, you know, equated to being different and being uncomfortable this entire podcast. And earlier this year I attended like a, uh, entrepreneurship business small group. And kind of like that initial gathering, which was like, you know, the hype gathering. It's like the one, the first one, everyone goes to it. And their big thing was like, God wants to bless you and he wants to bless you more than you can imagine. Mm. Um, and I just really like felt like that was God speaking to me and to blends. Um, because ultimately, not in a selfish way, but the more that we can grow, the more impact we can have. Um and I really think that like internally in entrepreneurship with Riley and I, we have been really successful when we put ourselves in a corner and the only way out is forward. And I think like challenging ourselves with something that makes us uncomfortable is the best way that we're going to be able to grow this year. Um, so really setting like, honestly, what could be looked at as unattainable goals um, and just saying like, hey, we want to grow 10x this year when that will be, you know, double what we've already done in the past four. So that's what's next for blends is, you know, we're really trying to grow that. We actually have uh, two, no, three campuses that we are actually launching in August, which the most that we've ever done is is two in one semester. So we've, we're, you know, hoping and praying for that, that everything goes well. Um, for me personally, I mean, just kind of sticking to that routine, man. It, that's one of the, it's not, it's not a, I, I heard someone say it. Uh, I don't know who it was. It might have been. I don't know who it was, but they said they want to live uh, a um, ordinary, boring life. And to me, what that meant was like those things every day that you know are that's in your routine, and, and that's what's going to create your foundation. That's the most valuable parts of my life to me. So just kind of like sticking to that, going about 
every single day and looking for new ways to um, impact and influence and you know create new relationships and yeah you, you mentioned earlier this is one kind of about a year to a year and two months or so since we met and never could have like had the anticipation that this friendship would be what it is now but um, just having that open mindset about things as well but um, yeah that's pretty much what's what's on the horizon for us um, but yeah any any big challenges new races or anything like that coming up um no actually so i have a pretty awesome girlfriend and she actually did her first half marathon when i did my first full marathon so that was really encouraging um i was super stoked for her that was awesome but i think she's actually going to try her second later in this year so i think i'm going to try either my second full marathon or just do another one but um nothing that's super challenging i definitely like uh, not this year. I definitely have in the plans for next year a couple challenging ones, whether it's a ultra like plus twenty six or doing a half Ironman, which is the seventy point three. Um, so definitely like to me, and that's not for everyone. You know, the physical challenge of yourself really allows me to sharpen my mind um, and and everything whenever I go through that. But I love the process of it. I don't, you know, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. It's about the process. Yeah. Like. But I really feel more connected to that than ever during like kind of a race and endurance of fitness goal and journey. Yeah, it's, I, I agree. I love having a goal. And it's funny. So I'm, I'm currently reading a book uh, called Outlive. And it's all about, so like my fitness goals have changed. I mean, even at the beginning of the year, you and I were talking about how I was like, I wanted to run an ultra. Mm-hmm. I started running a ton. And I started having a ton. And I started having some feet problems. Mm-hmm. And so, honestly, man, I probably haven't run in over a month, yeah. which is not like me at all. Like, I'm, I was an easy two, at least three day a week runner. Mm-hmm. And it would just, and it wasn't even for miles. It was just, I'd be like, hey, I'm going for a run. And it'd be an hour. Yeah. And however many miles I got in for that time. Um, but it's, it's, hey, what do I want to be able to do now mm-hmm. when I'm 90? Yeah. No, exactly. And, like, I'm super excited about this because I'm, like, going, you know what? I want to know that if my 30-pound grandchild runs up to me mm-hmm. and I'm 90 years old, that I can pick him up in my – or her up in my arms and just hold him, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, you don't even think about it. Uh, simple things like I want to be able to walk with two five-pound bags of groceries. Yeah. You know? I, I, it's, it's Things you take for granted now. Yeah. It's, it's so cool though because like you I, I agree like I want to be able to do things that my parents or my grandparents couldn't do when I'm their age yeah and I think that's kind of this whole generational thing too like creating that generational um, influence and positivity I'm and probably close and to like your that. parents age man so you better yeah. be careful right because <laughs> your mom and dad may listen to this yeah. and get mad yeah no, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of shut it off there then <laughs> Well, hey, um, I want to say thank you so much uh, for for being on here today, man. Um, It's been awesome to just kind of hear your story. I I can't say thank you enough for for sharing everything that that you have done and really the impact that you're having on the lives of the people who work for you, but also the people that are around you. You've impacted my life, and I do consider you as a friend. And I love it when you come to town. And really, I need to start coming down to Florida and visiting <laughs> you because my wife really loves the coast a lot yeah. more. 
So anything else you want to say before I wrap up? No, that's it, man. I, I really do appreciate you having over here. And like I told you at the beginning, I, I love talking just to talk. Um, you know, eventually one day I might have some good stuff to say and someone might, it might be valuable to someone. But um, yeah, I really appreciate it. This was really fun. Awesome. Thanks, man. And with that, we are going to wrap up today's podcast. Um, I want to say thank you for turning, tuning into this episode of the Trailblazer Podcast. Um, and if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay tuned for more inspired stories of men who are making a difference in the world. Remember, you too can be a trailblazer in your own way. Until next time, keep blazing your trail. This is William, and I'm out.